Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, beautiful human. Thank you so much for letting us into your ears today. We are about to catch up with Tove Lu. Also known kind of as Tovlo. I, I said her name wrong in the interview. Don't judge me. It's Tove Lu. It's beautiful. And so is she. Lots to discuss, including a brand new album, Dirt Femme, and a lot of life to get into. She hasn't been on the show in a few years. So excited for her to be here. Then, uh, yeah. Thank you for being here, too. Today's interview, by the way, is being delivered to you by GoPuff. GoPuff is my go-to delivery system. They have everything I need very quickly in the palm of my hand. They'll come to me pretty much instantly. Thousands of items all in one place. It is the best convenience store out there. Guaranteed. GoPuff it, baby. Try it out. And you can save $10 off your first two orders. Just use the code Zach10 when you're checking out. That is Zach10 when you're checking out. 10 bucks off. Come on, be like me. And go puff. Woo. Here's Tove Lu. Hello, beautiful human. My name is Zach. That is Dan, and we welcome back to the studio. Tovlo. Woo. Woo. <laughs> Hi. So nice to see you guys. It's literally been years. Yes. It, it, and I've had very... Okay, I want to like dive right in because there's <laughs> life to get to. More importantly, there's an entire new album to dive into. Mm-hmm. But does anybody still call you Bumblebee? <laughs> no. <laughs> Nobody? Not really, no. Not even your super straight husband? No. He just um, he just calls me Tove or Tove or TT or T. <laughs> Those are all great names. Great names, yeah. <laughs> Those all make sense. Yeah, pretty much so, yeah. Was Bumblebee a nickname? Yeah, Bumblebee was a nickname. It was Bumblebee was a nickname, and also um, uh, Tus, which means like little fuzzy ball, was also a nickname. <laughs> Where did that come from? That was my mom. I think also now they've because you know uh, Tovlo Tovlu was my nickname as a kid, and yeah. then I kept it, you know. And I think now they don't. My family don't really want to use that anymore because now it's like my artist name. So now they call me Tus instead. Because um, that's theirs. That's theirs. Yeah. <laughs> you gave what was theirs to everybody else. Yeah, I did. Yes. And I mean, is, is it interesting? Like, to, it, you have your immediate family, which now includes a husband, mm-hmm. but then you have your extended family that has watched you. I mean, you attended a very prestigious school in Sweden. Mm -hmm. You've worked under some of the best artists in the world. You have become one of the best artists and songwriters of an entire generation. Thank you. I mean, is it wild to watch them grapple, your family grapple with this side of you? Yeah, I feel like it's funny because I notice sometimes that when they like read things about me that I haven't told them yet, they find that really surprising and kind of frustrating that like more people found out before we knew yeah um but i think by now they're used to it i think the first few years were really strange um and i i I remember kind of them feeling like they didn't know me uh, as well as they thought or like you know because i would be so open in interviews maybe talk about stuff that maybe we hadn't talked about in years and then that made them feel like you know, have we ever even talked about this? And I'm like, yes, remember when? You know, but it would be like, I think that feeling was a little bit difficult for them. Does that hurt you a little bit? Yeah, I think at the time I just felt a bit like misunderstood and just stressed out of like, I think because when things explode the way they did for me, when I had no, I had no experience in the like, you know, big 
pop world at all. But because maybe I was because I was 26 and kind of was, you know, came off quite confident. I think people just assumed that I like had done it all for a long time, but I had no idea what was going on at all. So I was already quite stressed out about not really knowing what was expected of me and like never feeling like I was doing enough for anyone. And so that became like including my family a bit. It was like, you know, trying to be there for them while I was constantly traveling, constantly doing like a million different things and then being in different time zones and still trying to like catch them up while I was too tired to even like compile a text message, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think understandably for them, it was like, oh, you just took off and disappeared. Now we just read stuff about what you're doing. We don't actually get to like, you know, hear it from you personally. Yeah, it's not firsthand. No, exactly. But I think now by now they kind of start to understand that it's just like two different relationships and it's two different things. It's like two different parts of me, I guess. Was it always that way or did it, I mean, it starts as just one of you, right? Yeah, for sure. No, I just mean like, I still feel like the one and the same in all, all aspects, but I just think that like, just because I haven't told you something that I've, you know, said in an, interviews maybe just because we didn't have time to catch up that week <laughs> you know <laughs> and then I moved on from it and then it came up in an interview and you hadn't like I hadn't brought it up with them because maybe I had talked to some friends about it you know yeah. there's like kind of stuff like that that it's really hard when you're not living in the same city and you're not around each other all the time to just by the way like catch everyone up on stuff that's going on in your life at mm -hmm. least uh, I find it quite difficult to like um unless I'm like around you in my proximity i find it quite hard to constantly keep remembering to like reach out to people of course um I, yeah i yeah. identify with that very <laughs> yeah. heavily just because there's there's a lot of stuff going on yeah and it, there is some truth to out of sight out of mind yeah yeah you brought up your your rise and your your, your essential blow up into fame have you asked yourself why you ever Yes. <laughs> because it's a blow up that actually starts at like Icona Pop's party. Yeah. You, you hand your demo off to some Warner A&R. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, but you went to high school with half of Icona Pop, mm -hmm. right? Oh, both of them actually. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that ends up changing your life. Completely. That no. confidence. Yeah. I think me just feeling like, the thing is, I always knew that like when I was like bothering these A&Rs and like, you need to hear my stuff, I'm awesome. You know, I knew that I had so much more to learn, but I just needed someone to hear something in what was me as a writer or me as an no. artist or whatever, that they were like, oh, this could grow into something. I was like so ready to, for like critique and be like, tell me what to do better. I know that I know I can do more. I just don't know how to like, I need someone to guide me and like put pressure on me to like develop a little bit. And I think... Who did that? Um, I would say my my A&R at... at uh, well, now MXM and at the time at, at Warner Chapel is Julius Peterson. Is, um, he was really... He's been like my person since day one. When I got signed as a writer, very fresh. You know, I was... Um, you know, and he just gave me... He was just really hard on me but very like uh motivating and very like you know encouraging and then i also think you know ludwig soderbeier who i've done so much of my music with like he pushes me to be a better writer like we together come up with this we just have this relationship now where we create stuff together that always you know we always go somewhere new even though we definitely have created the sound together mm. and yeah, I just think, yeah. How are... special is that, though? Oh, amazing. Be because isn't that the proper evolution, right? Is like, like how would you describe a, the, a, a pristine artist evolution from album to album? I mean, the way you just described it would be one of the ways, right? I think so. I think it's a, there's a combination of like, okay, you tell a different story because you've been through new things since the last record. Like for me, it's like I kind of treat my songs as, you know, quite like like journals a little bit, you know, um, I write down my fears and my flaws and my, my feelings just like all kind of crisscross together. And then you have to also think about this, like how, how do I want it to feel sonically? Like where are we going sonically this time? And I think then it plays in a lot to what I've been listening to lately, what I've found inspiring, but it's very rarely like conscious in that way. Um, and then I think, um, you know, with Ludwig coming in and like 
him just being kind of pulling from different genres and ideas and worlds that he has been listening to. And like he, none of us really play an instrument. <laughs> so it's like building stuff from scratch without any kind of real idea of what you usually do with like a chord progression yeah. or like a drum beat or whatever. Um, and I think that makes it like maybe we have slightly less fear of something sounding a bit weird, but then it also becomes a, a bit more simple since none, none of us really know the theory behind it. Yeah, I don't know. But you just have to stay out of your comfort zone a little bit. Like let the song take time to make because you should try and not go where you've gone before, but still keep it in your world. I don't know. Of course. You know, <laughs> and by the way, like that's from what I've heard of Dirt Femme, that's mm -hmm. what I get. Like I get a different story, but a tove that I, yeah. I, that's familiar yet different. Yeah. But that's the proper evolution. But sometimes artists get stuck in doing the same shit over mm -hmm. and over again or going too far to the left or to the right. Yeah. And abandoning what, you know. What the core is. Yes. And I, and I feel like, you know, the amount of times over the years where I've heard like, you just need another habit. So you just need another stay high. And I'm like, I can't make that though because I made it. Like, huh? I can't make a knockoff copy of something that for some reason just, you know, and, and I feel like for me, it's like I consciously don't try to go one direction or the other i just try to make the best stuff i can make that still you know in my world is like the pop world that i want to exist in but i that's all i can do i can't know sometimes it resonates more with people sometimes it resonates less with people but that's all i can do is do my best and hope that you know my fans and and, and more like relate to it you know um are you making music at a core for you or for others i think the start of the journey is always for me like i write what i need to get out of my system and but then i think once i start telling sort of the visual story and like when the whole world kind of comes together and when i'm choosing the songs for the album then it starts to be more like what do i want them to hear I, yeah. In, so where to die for? Where does that fall on that spectrum or that timeline? I feel like there was a combination. It started off with like I've never sampled anything before. I want to do that for once and see what that's like. <laughs> Why'd you stay away from sampling? Um, I guess it just never really crossed my mind, and I think I had like this feeling of like, no, I want to make something original that's just from for me. But then I watched this documentary, it was just on YouTube, like called Remixing or something. And it just showed this, like, the kind of legacy of people covering each other's songs and like sampling stuff and how that's just so, such a huge part of music culture. And it got me a little bit excited <laughs> to try it out. <laughs> and that's hot butter popcorn, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And I mean, all Crazy Frog, depending on <laughs> what generation <laughs> you're from. Um, but outside of the Crazy Frog remix, there hasn't really been like a massive popcorn <laughs> remix. So um, I don't know. It was it was um, I was working with Oscar Gures, uh, one of the Wolf Cousins from from MXN, who's an incredible writer and producer, um, incredible musician too. And we were just talking about kind of like the how the different eras of dance music keep kind of like influencing pop more and more. Oh yeah. And talking about how sort of like the early. 2000s like kind of trance music like that kind of intense synth like really fast stuff was really starting to come back in and I was kind of we should do something like that you know and he started playing those like chords like and then I don't know how but that popcorn melody just kind of popped into my head and I started singing in over those chords and it just worked perfectly and we were just like we gotta do this you know and then you write it on top of that yeah yeah wow I mean, by the way, like some of the greatest artists of all time were singing covers. Like most yeah. of Elvis's hits were covers. Yeah, true. So it's in like an art that like keeps coming back mm -hmm. and back and it's so, so like prevalent. Yeah. I think the only thing to remember is like, I think back then people weren't really crediting, you know, the people Truth. that they were covering, which Truth. is like, um, like you wouldn't uh, know all the Elvis, like you, you, so many mm -hmm. people assume that most of Elvis's songs weren't covers. No, of course, yeah, because there was no acknowledgement about the original artists, and I think that um, is a problem, <laughs> you know? 100%. But maybe that was, you know, the way back then, I don't know, but I think that, um, I mean, now today, like, you can find everything, so now it's hard to do that without getting caught, so to speak, but to me, it's just like, you know, 
of course you just reach out and go, hey, like, uh, we used your song. Is it cool? Do you like it? Do you approve? You know, can we pay and you? Can we pay you? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so um, it's just, yeah, it's just the way I think. So, but also, it's very cool that you're still so deeply connected to Max Martin and crew. They, yeah, I love them. Like, <laughs> you start, you, you didn't start, start with them, but when you came to the States for the first time, they were very much here. Yes. For you. Mm-hmm. Community and family that of, of what you knew and understood. It was like, you know, the I, can, I don't know if I can like describe how like intense it is coming to LA for the first time when I didn't drive and there was no Ubers and wow. I was very broke and just like having, this, you know, Martin take me under my wing was like, thank you. Because <laughs> I was, you know, just kind of freaked out. Um, but it was really good. Um it was a really good experience and just kind of getting thrown into that. I mean, I didn't write songs with him at that time, but I he just I got to play him all my demos when I got back from sessions, you know, and it was very like um he was very like hard of beam, but also gave me so much good feedback that I could use and then you know, it was just so um so great for me that first first trip. Like um real talk, like mm-hmm maybe he'd get mad at me for saying this, but like, Max Martin's a dad. Like, he's a caring, <laughs> loving father. He really is. Yeah, I mean, he is a father. He has an amazing yeah. daughter. Yeah. <laughs> She's extraordinary. Yeah. But like, he he really, like, it's so beautiful to one witness, but then also to know that that, like, I mean, that means a lot to, to artists yeah. or to somebody who's, this is fucking scary. Yeah. And like, LA scary. The industry is terrifying. Yeah. Like, to have that support and also knowledge and wisdom, yeah. just, I mean... For sure. That means more than anyone can really wrap their mind around because... No, totally. And and what I found also really amazing is that, like, both him and, and Shellback or Johan, you know, have this, you know, their repertoire of songs is insane, you know? Yeah. But it's never a feeling of, like... They're just very respectful of of you and your craft and what you show them, and just it's just I never feel this like I don't know. There's never there's a humble attitude still that I find so um, impressive because you could easily let go of that whenever you. But want. by the way, he could have let go of that like 15 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Right, right? <laughs> but I find that really. Um, uh, I'm very grateful to be like part of that songwriting crew and you know kind of have um, them as mentors and for feedback and you know um family friends yeah yeah that's it's lovely yeah (laughs) god it's healthy yeah you know it really is i do like being part of that kind of we're very it's a very like everyone collaborates and you play each other stuff and you taking the feedback from people you trust and you you try it out if you still feel like "Mm, i prefer how it was you go with that but also be like trusting with with um the people you trust and it's really valuable to have Life-changing. Mm-hmm. Dirt Femme is our most recent body of work. Yes. What song starts it for you? Like, what, what song did you finish first that was like, okay, I got to do an album now? Um, well, it was uh, No One Dies From Love. Wow. And I actually wrote that in January 2020 before everything went down. And um, it was... Um, it was weird because when we wrote it, it was with Ludwig, and we were writing for three weeks um, in Malibu, just like got houses two of us and we only wrote that one song for three weeks i mean usually you have quite a lot of demos <laughs> coming yeah. out of three weeks of writing but i don't oh. know we were just like having a moment of both going through some stuff and we were like crying and talking and drinking and like walking on the beach and then writing this one song and it was really special and i think once we wrote that i was like oh i can't wait i want to put this out like before the um, uh, all the summer shows, like all the summer touring, like, you know, this new era, this is what I want to start it with. <laughs> and then, you know, <laughs> pause. Um, but I still felt, and then I didn't write barely anything for the rest of 2020. I wasn't feeling inspired at all. But then when I started writing again, um, towards the end of the year and during all of 2021, I still felt like this is the first initial tone of the record and the first song that I really want to start with and like kick it all off with. What does it mean that a song could sit for a year, year and a half and still be a hit? Well, I think there's like, just means there's substance there. I think No Dice Some Love is like, I think it's going to have a long life, you know, Uh, a nostalgic life. Um, And 
I think that's probably probably why you know it has some sort of like a timeless feel about it. It's very cinematic and dramatic, and and I think that you know plays on people's heartstrings. <laughs> when did you realize it was timeless? Because um, that's like that's special. Yeah, probably because after it's sitting for two years, we barely changed any production or anything, <laughs> you know, and I didn't change any lyrics. Like that kind of to me felt like all right, it still feels current or like um or like it doesn't actually feel like any time it just feels right yeah that's mm -hmm. it matches any mood yeah yeah are any of your other records the same um on this I album mean, or just oh in general timeless in general well i will have to say that i think habits feels pretty timeless yeah. to me yeah i, I don't agree. know how you know it's like that song just, I mean, it still seemed to resonate with people now, you know, um, thanks to TikTok, it's got a <laughs> few, you know, <laughs> it's got, it got in a few trends and gone off again. And like, I just see the, the, the comments are so sweet. It's like, you know, um, for some people it's like their party song for some people, it's their heartbreak song and yeah. it kind of lives in this world of, of in the in-between and what you need. Yeah. Yeah. It's really special. It is. I mean, it's for me. I'm also like, it's the song that changed my life. So I'm very happy for it to have a long life. <laughs> <laughs> a life lay after all of ours. Yes, honestly, yeah. mm -hmm. and that is like, that's art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wild. What are you thinking? Uh, in the music video for "No One Dies from Love," can you explain that and why you decided to make out the robot? <laughs> well, so I guess it's me loving to do things that are like, it's pop with a twist mm -hmm. and. I guess I just sent this song to to my favorite director is Alaska, who I love working with. And um, it's like, here's a song. It doesn't have to, the video doesn't have to match the, the, the lyrics, but I just want it to feel very cinematic and big. And then he came back, um, Marco came back, uh, Marco and Gus came back with a, an idea is like, what if it's a love story, but it's like between you and a robot and it's kind of like set in like a futuristic 70s vibe. And, you know, it's like, you know, and you kind of end up being the asshole in the end, <laughs> like you know, me up just switching out for a better model. Um, and I don't know when he said that I was like, this is just the best most perfect idea I've ever heard. I don't want to hear any other treatments. This is what we're doing. Like, you know, I'm gonna have to sell my house making this video, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, and it just, to me, just felt like this beautiful movie that kind of, it is nostalgic, like, and it's been done, I'm sure before, but not in this, not in this way. But the, I just, it, I just wanted to have that that bizarre twist. So like me making out with it just felt like the right thing to do. <laughs> I was wondering like, what's it like on set when you're in front of a whole crowd making out? With oh them? my god, so weird. Like, <laughs> but you know, I've also like made out with a puppet in one of my videos. So like, you know, where can it go? <laughs> no, I think that was that was. Um, this is an amazing moment because obviously there's there's a girl in there inside that, but I'm just kissing this chrome platform and just tastes very metallic and weird. And they would also like wipe it off with like alcoholic wipes every time. So it was just like the weirdest taste ever. Um, it was very bizarre. Yeah. Well, is this story going to continue? Because I know this robot appears in the scene and to die for too, right? Yes. There's a little cameo there um, yeah. to set it up for. Um, it's going to be a minute, but there will be... There's a there's a follow up <laughs> coming. Okay. Yeah. The first song you ever wrote when you were ten years old was called "People Think I'm Crazy." Oh. Do you think yes. people still think you're crazy? Um, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I've really gotten sort of. Um, I feel very supported and at home in my like weirdness. Um, and I think it's kind of this. It's just like this thing I have with my fans that they're like. Who, how, where does your mind go? I don't get it, but, you know, we're so in for it, you know, and I think there's this, um, I just love to, to kind of push myself in that zone because um, I feel very free there when you can kind of just not like, I guess that's also the, you know, fun part about being independent. I don't ever have to really rein it in. <laughs> so we're going all out. <laughs> I mean, you knew early. That you were crazy? Yeah. yeah. You've, t you've milked it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's paid off. It's paid off. It's, uh, I'm being honest about it. <laughs> yeah. It, it works for you. <laughs> yeah. It works for me. It works well for me. Yeah. Did you set goals for yourself with Dirt Femme? 
Um, I think the only goal I had was like creative goals, like um, wanting it to be visually just as strong as, as sonically and for it to feel like one world without getting too stuck in like concept album in terms of sound because then I feel like you can get quite once you get too hard into to a concept it can kind of start all to sound the same I think because yeah. you're scared of like veering off your the path you're on so I thought no it's important that you bring in some songs that are like stand out and are completely different in terms of like style and, and vibe because the thing that ties them together is is me um, and I wanted to make sure that I was took my time making it how long I mean it took you from to, 2020 yeah, yeah. January <laughs> yeah. to when did you finish how do you know it was done um, I finished it it took me I would say it took me about just a little over a year yeah like a year and a half Got to write it, it. yeah how do you know it yeah. was finished um, when I didn't have anything else to say, I started like doing more sessions. And I was like, "No, just it's just bullshit coming out now. I can't." <laughs> How do you know it was bullshit though? When I really have to like, when I can't come up with any words that inspires me, when I'm just kind of like reusing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, I I definitely like tied together with like I use phrases from one song in the next um, a lot because to me that makes it a, a bit of a story cohesive yes but I I feel like um, I can it's just a feeling I don't know how to explain it really it's like when I, if I'm sitting and I'm like oh, I don't know what to say I've said that and then I maybe go on to something like I don't even care about that why am I writing a song about that like who you know and yeah. I think that's when I uh, just start to know that like okay I'm kind of done writing now <laughs> What role do collaborators play in keeping you creatively fresh? Like, will you work with somebody from the very beginning or do you hand somebody a, like, a song that's done for them to add something to? I feel like usually I like to start from the beginning with people. Um, what's been interesting about this album is that I'm pretty much, it's just me and one other person most of the songs. Um, so I've done pretty much all the melodies and lyrics. Um, and I feel like... Usually I will come in with like a th an idea or a feeling that I want to like uh, want to express and then they'll start to make kind of music based on that emotion mm. a bit. Um, and sometimes I'm just like, I want to make something fun. Just like, make me a dance beat. <laughs> and then they do. <laughs> and it's great. Um, but yeah, it, it really varies. But I like to start from scratch. SG Lewis, who's about mm -hmm. to Zoom us. Yay. You do not one song with this man but you end up doing two yes. records with him mm -hmm. which is a lot yeah like that's a lot of i mean that's it's more than just one <laughs> that is <laughs> two more, that is two it's so double the amount you have to like him right mm -hmm. yeah i love him uh, by the way i think he's here <gasps> hold on hold on hi hello hello oh, oh my god <laughs> hello darling you sound so good hello. Hold on. Wow. What, what's going Recording on, bro? Recording in progress. Hello. 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 What's up, man? Hello. Say hi to your friend. Oh, there's you. I miss you. Where are you guys? We're in Burbank, California. Yeah. Shit, I literally just got back to LA yesterday. So, <gasps> you could have been yeah. here with us. I could have gone to see you before I leave tomorrow. You bastard. I know, I know we have one day of crossover before I leave. Yeah. <laughs> She's I, been I miss you. She's been saying you guys oh. have no time to h hang out. You can't coordinate. It was great because we were like, there was like a solid period where we were in mm -hmm. LA, like, like same time for like months and I think I saw her and Charlie like most days. Yeah, like, we hung out so much and then you left and, and then, then I left and then... Yeah, we've yeah. been passing trips in a night since, but um, but the reunion is close. I yes, it that. is close. Well, when I come back, you're still here, right? I'm back October third. Yes. Good. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> well, so yeah. how does this begin? Because again, there's pineapple slice and there's call on me. Call uh, on me is produced by Flume, right? Is that no, is it? No. Is that a lie? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's a lie. <laughs> what? Somebody lit me. literally fed me that information outside. No, no, no. No, no. I, I produced Call On Me. I started it with uh, my friend Teed, like the instrumental, but then I 
took it somewhere else and then worked on it with Tove and then Pineapple Slice is just me and Tove straight mm-hmm. in the room. So, um, Wait, so no, no, no flume involved on those ones. Well, so what do you do, SG, in terms of like, like how far does a record need to get done in the process before you choose to bring it to Tove? Um, so, well, they're two completely different instances. So the Call of Me being a record that um, start, kind of started from a jam that me and T did another time and then I take the idea in somewhere else. But um, Pineapple Slice was literally like, Tove walked in the room and there was like nothing there sort of thing or I just started to lay down like a baseline and then um it just all kind of happens in the room and, and, and then Tove starts by me on it immediately so um kind of always different approaches and like different results every time but um both I kind of there's there's not like a I don't prefer either uh either instance mm-hmm. it's just like when it works on a day really well I usually find it hard to Right on a like a, on an instrumental or track that's like has a that's sounds very finished because I feel like I can't really take it anywhere uh-huh. unless they're yeah. really good and SGs <laughs> <laughs> are really good. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I remember you years. sent me a bunch of like kind of tracks and stuff that he'd done, and I was like, so I want to write on all of them, but let's mm-hmm. start with the call on me one. And what was it about it? What what brought you in? It's just like energetic and sexy and gives me like nostalgia without really knowing why because it's not something i've heard before um mm. so yeah it just felt really fun and i f- i can also notice if i just start singing melodies right away and they're like a lot of them feel good on top of it then i'm like okay this is gonna be we just have to like pick and choose which ones are the catchiest ones but um sometimes that's really hard to do when it's like too many things there already it's um it's crazy how quickly those things form when toe's writing though in terms of like you know, especially with pineapple slice. It was just like it was like a chorus just kind of arrived like a lightning bolt in her brain. It was just like very quick. That was like, quick, yeah. It's it's pretty crazy to watch her work every time, but it's awesome. Ah. What is a pineapple? Are, are we referring to an actual pineapple slice? <laughs> yes. or is, is there like innuendo here? Um. So this is probably no. the dirtiest song on the album. Um. And uh. Yes, we're talking about. If you, doesn't matter who you are, if you eat pineapple slice, things will taste better. Mm. That's the (laughs) (laughs) story. (laughs) So what do I need to eat to get this? It's not an actual pineapple? No, you have to eat the pineapple slice. I'm serious. It actually is. Pineapple will taste, um, make both of you taste better. Okay. um, Basically, we've been working on Call On Me and um, we, we posted a photo in the studio together and like there was a bunch of just like Twitter going kind of crazy and someone was like, oh my God, I, they must be making the horniest banger of all time. <laughs> then we saw the tweet and we we're like, well, maybe we should make the yeah. horniest banger of all time. <laughs> <laughs> so then we kinda, that was like our original intention. So then uh, Tove kind of smacked it out the park. With, uh, <laughs> so we're like, what mindset do we need to be in to create a horny anthem? Do we need? Well, to, does one need to be horny <laughs> to craft a horny anthem? I think horny is just a more of a perpetual state than a. a yeah, yeah, like is it exactly. A, oh my gosh, you might want to get that checked out. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle. Yeah, it's it's a lifestyle. I feel I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> it came very easy to both of us. I will say that it wasn't like a uh, like a. Uh, it wasn't like we both like. Oh yeah, yeah, I totally get what you mean. <laughs> I know that. I know that moment. I know what we're talking. Well, about. that's what I wanted to know. Like, are we writing from realistic horniness or like ideal horniness? Because like there, you know, there's two different. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, I feel like this one is more the like. I, I guess it dep- it depends, but it's definitely the more like. I want to go out and get laid, horniness, Sick. and you're like yeah, you're like getting ready for that moment. It's like a, it's a, eating it's pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually pictured myself hyping myself up in the mirror, eating a slice of pineapple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a great way to start. <laughs> okay, I'm here that's for how it. I, that's how I like to start my night. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
And uh, SG, what, what, like, just wondering, man, like, when you're crafting a beat from nothing, like, how, uh-huh. like, does it start with something you hear in your head? Like, and, or do you need to, like, sit down at a front of a computer to do it? Like, where do you need to be? Like, what mindset do you need to have in order to craft literally something from nothing? So it, it can really, uh, it can, the kind of, uh, inspirational sort of, um, catching point can be anything. Cause sometimes I just sit there and I'll, like, fiddle until i hear something or with something like this it was just there was like a bass line that i was kind of hearing in my head and i was like and then so once i got to the studio that was like the first thing i was like knocking out and then that was the only thing that i had when tove got to the studio was like the start of this bass line and that was like enough to set her off so she like walked in and she was just like oh that's cool straight away and i was like oh and then it was like cool we're off the bases um I was like, I have a song. (laughs) I was like, great, awesome, we're here. Um, But it's it it varies every time. Sometimes things are like fully formed and like, but there will always have to be some kind of like jump off point or just like some like old song I've heard somewhere or like uh, or just a random idea that pops up. Or if I hear like a vocal idea, like the rest of the song only that only formed in my head once I heard what Tove was doing. And then that's, that's what's fun about working from scratch is what you're both doing kind of mm-hmm. form the other person. Yeah. And, um, as much as like, as much as I love, like, you know, taking something in, um, it's great when you're working with someone like Tove and you have that just like fluid chemistry and stuff in the studio where you can kind of just bounce back and forth. Cause then you're like, it's like passing a ball back and forth a bit. And then it's just a really like fluid, easy process. Mm-hmm. So um, this one was really fun for sure. Well, Listen to Dirt Fam. Listen to Pineapple Slice. Listen to uh, Call on Me. Yes. Uh, absolutely. 100%. We're going to remember to eat some pineapple. Yeah. yeah. It's healthy. Eat pineapple, folks. <laughs> it makes everything taste better. Yes. That's the word around town. Uh, next time you're at pre drinks for the night, just forego yeah. the and just get a can of pineapple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those who know, know. We'll say yeah. that. Well said. <laughs> and by the way, a lot more people are about to know. So yeah, you're passing yeah. very needed knowledge. Very needed knowledge, yeah. I mean, really, this is charity. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. You're doing the Lord's work, the both of you. We're really trying hey. to do the Lord's work. <laughs> hey, we're, just, we're just doing our bit. <laughs> just do, playing your part in society. Thank you so much. Yes. No, no, you're welcome, guys. <laughs> Thank you for calling and taking the time, dude. It really means a lot. Not at all, uh, and, but great to see you both. You know, I great both to see you. Yeah, yeah, and can't wait to see you both in real life. And Tove, when you get back to town, um, I'll see you straight away. Yeah, and for sure. Absolutely. Nice to see you, Zach, as well. Dude, peace yeah. and love. I've been, I, I, we, we did run into each other at Coachella, though. I wasn't, we had a, we I had didn't a, imagine that. We had a that. loving moment in Coachella. I was yeah. like, <gasps> It made it brought me with a lot of joy, but like I did think this morning, like did I dream that? Like was that a was that a fever dream? Did that actually happen? So good no, to no, know it, it, it did. Yeah, it was, it was ever so slightly blurry for me as well. You know, <laughs> like, you know like, how it is. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I remember there was a there was a lot of it was beautiful. Love. It was a beautiful moment. It was a personal Coachella highlight. Well, l- l- mutual, and let's uh, let's let's do it again in real life. So please, you know. let's, let's let's get together and let's let's do something fun. That'd be awesome, dude. Sending you love. love Thanks you. Thank you for doing this. Bye, darling. Okay. See you bye, soon. Bye, bye, love, love you. Bye, bye. Wow, that was bye. <laughs> this is the first time we ever did something like that. That worked really well. Yeah, well, you, you never know, know what the Zoom or the or the yeah. Oh my god! Mm. And you, you watched me set this up. Like I was very much <laughs> like frozen. I was like, like, yeah. It was stressful. Uh, if I knew he uh, he said he was coming back today, but I didn't know if we should have just forced him to Come here? get here from the airport. <laughs> he really he's special. And do you mm. run your collaborators through a filter because you've collaborated with a lot of incredible people, a lot of people that you choose to keep into your life today? Mm-hmm. You know, and like at the end of the day. When you make a song with somebody, it does, it lasts forever. Yeah, it's for an sure. extension of you forever. Yeah. So no, I feel like it's it's um, I, I think it always happens if you go into the studio and you write something together that um, that you feel really good about. Like usually it's because there's also a great personal chemistry and you like become friends and you get along. And I feel like that then. You know, and then you go through the release together. So you kind of create this like journey together that's mm. really special. And I think, yeah, there's there's a lot of people that I've collaborated with that I'm like, you are my friend now. And we're <laughs> gonna keep hanging out. <laughs> but also it was funny because Sam met um Charlie, my husband, like before 
like they just kind of met at this random thing before I I was about to work with Sam, but we hadn't worked together yet. And Charlie came home and he was like, "He's the best person." Don't screw this up. <laughs> like, you better write a good song with him because he's awesome. Um, and it was just so funny. Like, they click so well as well. So, like, both of our crews of friends get along super well. And it's just been this, like, really nice um, time of friendship. Yeah. That's a beautiful cross pollination. Yeah. yeah. Are, are you surprised that you're married? Yeah, I am. Like, I wasn't, I never thought I was going to get married. Um, I knew that, like, when I met, Charlie that's like okay here is someone I really want to like spend the rest of my life with if he'll allow me but um what was it about know, him I just out of I, I need to know out of curiosity yeah, yeah yeah he honestly it was this feeling like we we met at actually on my birthday <laughs> oh, we met once at Coachella months before but he was taken then and he kind of like ran away ran, ran away from me when I started hitting on him so I was like oh damn it um but then we run into each other on my birthday way later and uh, at a Halloween party. And then I, I feel like I figured out pretty quickly that he was single. But, and I was like, oh, he's so hot. Like I was very attracted to him. But I also was like, I really want to kiss him, but I'm having so much fun talking to him that I like don't want to stop laughing. Like it's just this, it was just such a connection like right away. Um, and I think... Yeah, he's just, he, he's one of those kind of people that like, wherever he goes, people remember him. Yeah. Like he has this, like very charming, he makes people feel good about themselves around him. And not because he's like talking everybody up, but he's just like very like kind and interesting and like is interested in other people. And like fun to look at, obviously, but it's <laughs> it's like, I don't know, there's, we have this really special connection. Yeah. And so, I mean, we were kind of like, kind of panicking like we need to get married if we're gonna be able to go around the world together like this is getting like kind of crazy you know we had yeah. we eloped to vegas during covid and kind of did it, did it all there um Sick. but and i was kind of like oh my god are we actually doing this like we're gonna get married but then when it happened like in the little white chapel he had like a light blue tuxedo on with the like fluffy shirt and i was wearing this like big poofy 80s dress like we had some of our best friends with us but then during the like actual like ceremony <laughs> which was you know very small it was just like i had this feeling of like i get why people do this this is so romantic i'm so in love <laughs> and uh this is really special and yeah so i'm like i get it now <laughs> did you think you were in love with people before him yeah yeah i mean i was in love with people before him but it's different though right? it is different it's very different. That's what I'm like trying. I think I'm mm. in love with somebody, but like, I, you oh, know. Oh, nice. Figuring it out. Figuring it out. Yeah. I feel like what I will say is you, I want to make him feel good about himself and I want to feel good about myself in that like situation. And yeah. I think that's kind of like something that you rarely talk about, but it's kind of key, you know, like always wanting the best for the other person. Yeah, bringing the best out yeah, in them. Yeah, exactly. And I think we really do that with each other. That's exactly what I'm mm. looking for. Yeah, you you'll find it. Thank Hopefully you so in this love that you're figuring out. <laughs> I, You know, it's so funny. Like, mm. I, I, same thing. Like, I want to kiss this person, but I also just want to keep talking to them. Yeah. So that's a good, that's a good sign, I think. Yeah. God, let's see. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Oh. Uh, Dirt Femme, that is the album. I mean... Can you explain the story behind the title? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Please. So, the working title was just feminine during the album. And once I kind of was like, oh, it's, it's not quite right, though. And I think the reason why I had that is because I feel like... It might not be super clear to everyone, but to me, it feels like this kind of journey through my femininity and like my relationship with my femininity and how it's been parts of my life where I feel like I've viewed it as weak instead of strong and I think a lot of those it's just you know I had time to sit back and reflect on my life the past <laughs> few years and my career and just like how um my sort of you know ways to move around the world and I think when I started out um I was very often the only girl in the room and so I was around a lot of um, intense masculine energy because I felt there was also before it was like be in touch with your feminine side it's good totally. <laughs> you know for all humans and I'm not necessarily believing that like masculine femininity is like doesn't really have to do with gender it's more about like um, we all have we all have those traits but we just lean into them 
one way or the other a bit more and that's what I like about the queer community there's way more of just like a blend there's not necessarily tied to gender whereas in the straight community it's very like you know women are feminine and men are masculine you know yeah siloed out there's super boring it is Um, but and I think that like I guess for me I felt like going into all those rooms with a lot of um, just uh, men I had to lean into my masculine traits to get respected and to get um like uh like be heard and to be you know oh you're a girl who can hang you're you know you're cool you can take the joke la, 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 all that stuff and i think that made me sort of and that's very much like i'm i have that part of my personality but i think that made me sort of start to view my feminine traits i try to like you know hide them a little bit and start to view them as weak instead of, of like appreciating them and i think over the years and after the me too movement also i started to feel kind of more like appreciative in touch with that side of me. Um, but there's still like, I guess for me, it's like I'm feminine, but a little rough around the edges. So I like dirt femme is that <laughs> kind of description. <laughs> That's really interesting mm-hmm. that like the rooms that you were in and navigating your career mm-hmm. ended up making you like, it sh- shed a stronger light on certain sides of your personality mm-hmm. and dimmed others. Yeah. But now, because you don't need to be in those rooms to make mm-hmm. the music you want, yeah, you have the freedom to explore and be who you really are. Yeah, I think so. And I feel, and I think also it plays into like, you know, getting married and like being in a straight relationship, even though I identify with the queer community and yeah, being like, that is that like? still a part of me? You know, <laughs> well, I think, I guess, you know, there's, that's maybe the, the thought of like, that's when songs like Suburbia come up and I'm like, because that. I think both me and Charlie grew up in kind of traditional, um, traditional lives, you know, and but not feeling maybe at home there really, um, which is why we both left and you know went on other journeys. And I think one, but when we got married, even though you know we did it in Vegas and our close ones weren't exactly <laughs> thrilled about uh. <laughs> that, they were still like, "You did something traditional. You did something normal." Like, oh, you know. So when are you having kids? When are your roommates moving out? You can't live in a collective when you're married. Like, come on. Like, you know, my childhood friends would kind of be a little bit like, "Why are you guys not making more more real choices now?" That you know. Yeah, and because I think that, that's what society tells you to do. Yeah, and it kind of made me panic a little bit. Like, I'm not sure I want children. Um, I love all my friends' children. I love, you know, I'm not like, kids suck. It's not <laughs> that. <laughs> I just like feel that maybe it's not for me. Um, but when I tell that to them, and I can I can kind of understand it. Like, I, I've, I've noticed, you know, having a child is a very special, like, experience that is the most precious thing in your your life so when i say that so i'm like i don't know if i want kids they're like you don't know it's like you punch (laughs) their own kid yeah kind of like that and it's not how i mean it obviously but i think you know maybe also as a woman when you say that it kind of people you have to almost always defend it in a way um and i guess in my mind i started thinking i was like i don't think i do but what if i like what if i do and then like do we have to like move out to like a suburb where there's like only other straight couples we have to do small talk and like do you know do yard work and i don't know no no i, I couldn't I'm, see you doing any of this no things. i'm just gonna be like a housewife redecorating my house all the time like which was kind of my life in covid no but but i feel like i i got all these like thoughts of of like is that where i'm headed which is not like i was think like and I'm not, to be clear, I'm not saying anything's wrong with that life. Like, I understand a lot of people wanting that life. It's just not for, I just, I grew up in it. I didn't feel at home there. That's just how it is. And I like, you know, I always wanted to go a little bit of a different direction. And I think me living in a collective with three of our friends and having like, you know, our friend group is just like a mix of everything and everyone's very on their own journey. And um, I just love that. That's just more... More for me. Wait, so what does it mean that you live in a collective? Um, so we have a, a pink house <laughs> in LA and three of our best friends live with us. Um, who uh, One of them is, is uh, Tim. It's Tim from the house is his producer name. We've done a bunch of songs for the album. Cool. Uh, How Long and True Romance and the song Kick in the Head and Grapefruit. Um, and uh, so he, I make a lot of music with him. And then Sam was also an amazing musician. He works in like music management and then Jesse, she's like a badass fashion producer. Um, so yeah, the five of us are just having a blast <laughs> in so, our house. <laughs> and you all contribute, and you all yeah, yeah. I mean, it's my house, but but, but um, yeah, everyone like 
hey, who's buying? Like Sam was like, oh, I'm buying groceries. Does anybody need anything? Which is like, oh, can you buy this and that? And they're uh. like, are we doing family dinner on Tuesday? Like, yeah. So oh, yeah. that's nice. <laughs> yeah, that's it's fun. really cute. We go out a lot together. We go on trips together. <laughs> it's yeah, it's really sweet. Inspiring. <laughs> yeah, very inspiring. Yeah, that's that's a cool friendship. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> What are you thinking? That just sounds fun. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Like, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys ever get, like, sick of each other? Or do you ever think, like, oh, maybe me and my husband should go to our own place eventually or kick everyone else out? Um, honestly, not really. Maybe because we're away so much. But we did. We did all move in, like, early 2020. And then it was lockdown. You know, we were eight months. Didn't leave the house together. And it was so... It worked so well. Like, I think because everyone has their own space to yeah. kind of go off to... Um, Tim, you know, Tim and Jesse, they um, they have a room, they're together. And then Tim has his studio. I have my studio. Like, everyone kind of has their own space to sort of Sick. hide in if you don't want to look at each other. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think we're just good at also being around each other while being alone. I feel for Jesse and Charlie sometimes, so because they're more, like, pedantic and the rest of us are just hot messes. So <laughs> I feel like that. They're probably sometimes like, can't take breaths, don't. You know, but but I think um, it works really well. I wanted to know if a married woman will still show her boobs at festivals. Definitely, yes. It's Sick. been my thing all summer. Sick. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I just like I wanted to clarify. Yeah. Okay, cool. yeah, no, no, no. I've been like I feel like I haven't changed in my expression at all, um, which is also why I think. Charlie is the one for me because it's never in the past. It's always been a problem. Really? And he is just so supportive and loves it. And like, you know, we, he does all the visual creative with me. So like, he's also like very part of, you know, loves me wearing a dick corset with like a Wonder Woman corset. (laughs) Like, you know, he's like, he's so, um, on board with my expression, which is really cool. Wow. That's by the way, like a partner in many different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's super lucky. Yeah. It's very rare, I think. The person I'm in love with would work with me too. See? <laughs> I see. I'm a, I have a very good feeling about this. <laughs> I needed to hear that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Truly. Truly. <laughs> do you remember the first time you flashed the crowd? Uh, I do, actually. Yeah. It was at, it was an accidental flash, actually. It was at um, this bike shop in Austin <laughs> at South by Southwest in 2015. And I was wearing a top that had like a small cutout under one boob. And I like lifted my hands up and my boob just kind of like fell out <laughs> of that hole. And everyone was like, and so I just like, eh, like flashed both of them. And it was like such a wild energy. And so I just kind of started doing it at shows for fun. And now it's become this very shared moment. Like the fans know. Yeah. So like is I do it at the bridge of Talking Body and I just slowly start to like tease it and then just like, and like fans are flashing me back. They like write things on their boobs or they're wearing fun pasties. And it's like a whole moment. It's super fun. Wow. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think an accent like that would end up becoming one of the trademarks? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like when you do it in Europe, people never write about it. They don't really care. Oh, they're yeah. like, nah, titties. They're all half naked. <laughs> yeah, anyway. exactly. But whenever it's um, UK or like. Uh, Here? Australia or especially America <laughs> but I will say now you show us a titty really, we, we tell the world I also feel like I've done it now for like seven years so yeah. I feel like now whenever they write up my show they feel like they can't really make it a headline anymore because no. she's like we can't write about it again <laughs> like <laughs> so and that's kind of makes me happy because now it's like it's a normalized thing is it <laughs> freeing? Show. yeah I mean that's why I do it it just feels very freeing and it's like just you know a fun thing to do during a sexy song without it being like you know such a scandal yeah god i yeah. wish i could do that <laughs> i mean you can <laughs> i mean vomit you it would you would lose your mind <laughs> the whole crowd would literally i mean you want you want to induce vomit almost instantly no if there's ever I a don't want, believe that. if there's ever wants to get a crowd nauseous within seconds call me um, I don't believe that for a second. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. That's very kind. Uh, please listen to Dirt Femme. Please yes. listen to it. There's a link in the description below. If you know what's good for you, listen to it. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is healthy. It will make your heart, your soul, and your mind very happy. Any other thoughts over there? Yeah, the only question I had was, did you feel like you needed to not write anything in 2020 other than the one song to be able to create this album? Mm. Um, I guess I just felt like... I've 
I tried and I just felt like whatever I said just wasn't of importance or, or kind of was like, I just felt like I needed to just kind of sit back and listen mm -hmm. a little bit during 2020. And so I tried to do that. And also, I think I also felt like I just put out a record because I put out Sunshine Kitty end of 2019. And, but it was mainly that like, okay, I'm not feeling like anything I, I write just feels strange because the world isn't what it's uh what it what it was <laughs> or like, yeah. you know and like a lot of other important issues needed to be um in full attention so yeah i don't know i guess i i was just kind of sitting back and listening and and being in my house <laughs> you know <laughs> and felt kind of i guess i also felt a bit to be honest i was feeling very um sad and anxious about you know, I was going to do this crazy tour year. I, um, my record deal was out. I um, had all these shows planned. I just put out an album and I had this feeling of like, what if I never get this life back? Mm. And I was feeling quite sad and anxious about that. And I didn't feel like I was an artist at all, but I think that was probably good for me in a writing sense. But then I also didn't want to like express that a lot because I was also lucky in like living in a house with my friends and the person that I love. So I just was kind of like, just be don't you know just this is this is what it is right now but that's <laughs> you know? healthy for the human right yeah. like that mm -hmm. i think it feeds better creative long term probably yeah and i think having a pause for the first time in such a long time was Huge. was i think um was probably needed yeah dirt fam listen to it please <laughs> link in the description below um interested have you seen any of the videos from lord's performances she had a hand, like she tweeted you a long time ago yes and she like called she she really knew that freaking habits was going to be a hit yeah yeah i'd like I, I i know the whole back end connection there and i do find it funny but have you caught any of the video where like she just will sing acoustically and like when the fans sing back she asks them to stop singing oh she does i haven't seen that actually oh it's wild <laughs> it is it, it's exceptional. Like it, yeah. ho it hooks you, and yeah. like you're so into it. I mean, so I would be like, it. I'm so sorry, I'm gonna be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because she's trying to create like a sonical moment that they will all like feel. Yes. And if like you know, ten thousand drunk people are off key, just yelling back at her. I think it's like when when um um James Blake like does his looping and it does a ooh, which like saying horribly just now but that he does that as a loop and like the crowd will go yeah and he's like no don't scream because then that will go into the loop every time and uh you know I, I think it's like i kind of respect it it feels like um like if i i don't really have songs at that kind of quiet level yeah. where where i need to do that but to me, it just makes this, the moment you share kind of even more special. That's you it. Know? Yeah. And there is something to curating how somebody, like a live performance is your chance to control how somebody hears your art. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Every other situation, there's so many variables out of your control, mm -hmm. right? Like you make a record, I'm going to listen to it in my car, I'm going to listen to my headphones, I'm going to yeah. listen while I'm walking, I'm going to listen to my, you can't control how it's consumed essentially or no, the environment. Exactly. And it's your chance to really control that. To curate that. it, yeah, yeah, for sure. God. Yeah. That's what? brave though. That to me is like totally. There's a Swedish word called pondus, which is like it's kind of like you're. I don't know how to like really say more than that. It's like you have you're cool and you have authority and like you're badass in one word. Fuck <laughs> Somehow, yeah. and she has a lot of that. Like in that's a that's kind of that that move is shows me that energy. I like it. Say it again. <laughs> what is it? Pondus. Pondus. Mm -hmm. Sick. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you, yeah. Joblo. <laughs> I appreciate you. you. Really, thank you for giving us time and energy. Dirt Fem, that is the album. Link in the description below. Plus, you can listen to all of Tove's catalog on Amazon Music. Yes, you can. Thank you for thank doing you. this. Thank you so much. It was so great to see you. No, really, Yay. you're such a joy. You good? Yep. Well, I just want to ask about the... <laughs> yes. I do want to ask about working with Euphoria and how long. Was that song created for that, or did they hear that? So, the song existed before. Uh, where I knew I wrote it with, like you know, this, I want to send this song to Euphoria, but I didn't know any of the plot line. So the fact that there was two triangle dramas, <laughs> it was just the perfect match, obviously. But um, yeah, that was like, you know, for me, when I saw the first season, I'm like, 
this is my element. I need a song on this show. <laughs> Now and forever, I'm going to write something that I think will be perfect. And um, yeah, I'm just, you know, very grateful to, to that it made the cut, you know, because I think everyone and their mom was trying to get a song on this show. <laughs> is there a sense of accomplishment when you like, mm -hmm. you set out literally with the goal to grab yeah. a cut on this show? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a, that's a game-changing thing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. the song, I mean... Just being associated with that and then like, it was just, yeah, it was a very, it was felt like a very amazing first song back, you know, after, yeah. after not having put out anything in a while. That was really a really special journey as well into, into the album. Yeah. Dirt Fam, listen to mm -hmm. it. Link in the description below, all on Amazon Music. Tovlo, everybody. Thank you. Hey, beautiful human. Thank you so much for putting up with me today and listening to our conversation with Tovelu. It means a lot. Big thanks also to GoPuff. Thanks to Tovelu. And again, thanks to you. Now be safe. Hug your family if you can. Let them know that you love them and don't go to jail. Have an amazing day. Keep listening to music too. It helps make the world go around. I'll talk to you real soon. Peace and love. By the way, today's episode is made possible by a few incredible humans, including our executive producers, Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Dylan Martyr, Dan Zola, Joshua Rusak, and Olivia Rodensky. Our senior director, Toby Lawless. Our associate producers, Eve Bishop and Claudia Villarreal. Our music is by James Asciutto. Our editor is Camera Carlos Villa Gomez. Our sound mixer is Daniel Chavez Crook. Our post production manager is Caroline Rude. And I'm your host and executive producer, Zach Sang. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I'll talk to you real soon. <laughs> <laughs>